could adding another big pass-catching tight end somehow help Pat Fryermuth really, really take off? Good morning to you. Good Friday morning. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. This is Daily Shot of Steelers. It comes your way bright and early every weekday if you're into hockey and or baseball. I also offer Daily Shots of Penguins and Pirates where you found this. Minicamp closed yesterday over at the UPMC Rooney Sports Complex. I was there covering it. Spent a good chunk of my day talking with every tight end on the roster, at least the ones with a realistic chance of being on that roster when the football flies against the 49ers. And one of the concepts that I was pecking away at, and I was going to work to try to find this out in one direction or the other, was to what extent the drafting of Darnell Washington might have disrupted either the tight end room, because this is a pretty tight group of individuals, particularly Fryermuth and Zach Gentry, but also Connor Hayward, in addition to what impact it might have on the Matt Canada playbook, such as it is. So the first thing, naturally, that I would do on this subject is ask Fryermuth exactly that. It means a lot, man. You can you can be in you know you can mismatch uh, personnel on, on defense, especially you know if they're nickel and you know whoever's on the field, me Zach, Darnell Zach, me Darnell. Uh, we're gonna be able to you know exploit that matchup, and if they want to play some base uh, or nickel, we're gonna be able to run the ball or pass the ball, and we're not really scared of it. Now he and I talked for a while, both before and after what you hear there on a lot of different subjects, and believe me, I was sold by the end of it that the addition of Washington was, well, to use Fryermuth's own words, something we needed. And I feel obligated here to uh, give a disclaimer here that there's no way in the world he meant that as any kind of slight to his great friend Gentry. He just means it's taking the room and making it something that's better than it was before. But as you heard there, he also believes that it can result in more dynamism from the tight ends, including himself. Let me read you some basic Friar Moose statistics here, which might surprise you to an extent. In 2021, and this was, of course, with Ben Roethlisberger at quarterback, Friar Muth caught 60 passes for 497 yards and seven touchdowns. This past season... With a mix of Kenny Pickett and Mitch Trubisky at quarterback, he caught 63 passes, so three more catches, for 732 yards. So way more yards. In fact, an average of 3.3 additional yards per catch, but only two touchdowns, since almost nobody who was part of that offense was scoring touchdowns on any regular basis. Now, I did try to poke and prod regarding whether or not he was getting the football enough, whether or not he expects to see it more this year, and all I would get was this nice, friendly smile, and we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, which is what you get from all the players, at least the ones who do what they're told this time of year. My belief, based on covering the three weeks of OTAs in minicamp, is that you will see not just Fryermuth, but also Washington involved in the offense. And I also don't think they're burying Gentry, but it's going to be tough for Gentry. There's no doubt about that. That was known the moment the pick was made, the pick of Washington. 
I also fully expect, as does Fryermuth, that you're going to see two tight end sets. And not just an obvious sellout, get all the bigs on the field situations. You're going to see them out there just to throw teams off. You're going to see them out there just to create, as you heard Fryermuth use this term, mismatches. If somehow, by some stroke of luck, you were to have Darnell Washington going out against a corner, you would have that corner being incapable of covering Washington's leg, let alone the rest of him. But from Friar Moose's standpoint, yes, it will. Uh, let me rephrase that. It's Canada as coordinator. So it should result in Friar Muth being more open, more available. That depends on how the routes get structured to a large extent. But it also depends. And never, ever, ever forget about this part of the equation on the relationship, the personal slash professional relationship that gets formed by the thrower and the target. And to that end, Fryermuth might have come as close as he'd be comfortable in doing and sharing with me maybe one little hint. And that was that he feels like he and Kenny are at a different level. Not just in terms of their communication, chemistry, timing, and all that other stuff that's tangible, but also in terms of trust. He feels like there are situations in which Kenny is trusting him and just zipping the ball his way, even if it's in tight quarters, kind of the way, you know, Ben and Heath Miller used to do. Whether it's third down, whether it's first down, if it's second and long, whatever it is, you can develop a real live, and you saw it, you witnessed it. For pretty much a decade between Ben and Heath, a real live rhythm between your quarterback and your pass-catching tight end. With all due respect to Gentry, who has improved so much in his time in Pittsburgh, that wasn't really going to be a threat that'd be taken seriously on the other side of the line by the opposing defense. They weren't going to have multiple people fanning out on tight end assignments when they could just key on number 88. But hey, now that's where that onus goes back onto Fryermuth because he's got to be that guy. He's got to make the kind of catches that we saw him make last season, late last season especially. When it's not just a, you know, go out seven yards, turn around, boom, a ball right between the eights. It's also got to be like the late touchdown where he and Kenny hooked up to win a game. That's that's impact stuff, you know? That's Travis Kelsey stuff. I'm not comparing him to Kelsey. I'm just saying that's that's what you want. That's what you need, I think, your tight end to be in 2023. So when you look at those first two seasons with several different quarterbacks and you see 60 catches to 63 catches you see the yardage make its way up into the 700s and you see the touchdowns dip down there's more there to be had and i don't mean to move this around to canada or the quarterback or the other tight end that onus is on Fryermuth. he needs to be that guy who breaks out this year when we come back j1q 
Luxembourg, Garbett, Kelly, and George. LGKG is a personal injury law firm in Western Pennsylvania that represents people hurt in car accidents or who need help with workers' comp or medical malpractice. When the attorneys at LGKG make you a promise, they keep it. They've been keeping promises in our region for over 80 years. LGKG's been AV rated, the highest rating a law firm can receive, and they've been designated super lawyers. That's actually a thing for over 15 years. It's a rare combination. LGKG has offices in Cranberry, Newcastle, Beaver Falls, Butler, and Elwood City. Learn more about them by visiting lgkg.com or by calling 888-842-5454. LGKG. Today's J1Q comes from Steve, who says, I am of the opinion, DK, that Matt Canada has been handcuffed first by an immobile veteran quarterback who played to his own strengths, as he should have, meaning Ben, second by a rookie quarterback and a young offensive line, and third by a head coach who demanded a conservative offense. This year, the conditions are in place for Canada to succeed, and I'm truly rooting for him. All of that said... When I watch his interviews, there's just something about him that reeks of smugness and aloofness, uh, in particular for the media whose questions seemed relevant and timely. Steve, the first thing that I'll throw in is to reference the last thing that you brought up, which is the the media. Uh, never, never weep for us, okay? I, I don't like to speak for other reporters, so I'll just do it for myself. Boy, do I not care. I'm sorry. I just don't. If a person I'm asking a question is either rude or what were these other words you used here? Smug or aloof or whatever. I just don't care like at all. If they give me a smug or aloof or sarcastic or demeaning answers, that actually makes the content that I'm producing a little bit more invigorating, doesn't it? Meaning just that it's more interesting. So anyone who's ever done this for a living or is even familiar with it will know what I mean when I'm saying that. But to your broader point, I guess the first thing that I would say back to you is it really shouldn't matter. I mean, if it matters to you, it matters to you. But it, it doesn't impact my life. It doesn't impact really your life. And it doesn't impact the Steelers' fortunes. It just doesn't. If he is Mr. Personality with the reporters, if he's just absolutely fabulous in dealing with us, like, say, for example, Danny Smith is, which he is. He's he's unbelievable. He was talking to us out near the field a couple of days ago, and there were not one, two media relations people there from the Steelers just holding their breath for what he'd say, and then they couldn't wait to rush him out of there the moment they deemed that it was done. And that's, you know, that's not something that's necessarily great for the Steelers. It is for us. It is for you. It's not so much for them. So don't place that much of a value on this. You don't have to like the coordinator to be a fan of the team. You don't have to like the head coach to be a fan of the team. You don't have to like the players. There could even just be one or two players that you don't like, and you're still a fan of the team. I'm not setting up the rules of fandom here or whatever. I'm just sharing you my own 
views on this sort of thing over the years. My guess is that if if a lot of people got to meet this player or that player, they'd be pretty turned off. I'm not going to throw names out there, but they'd say, whoa, that's not who I thought that was. This was especially true of Juju Smith-Schuster, who put on one face when he was dealing with fans or the public or his social media, and another face entirely when dealing with everybody else. That was actually the most extreme example in the time that I've been covering the team. But there are players who just have like a genuinely nasty, mean disposition where it's not something that they just manufacture going out onto the field. And maybe you wouldn't have a particularly pleasant experience with them. Man, this is football. These happen to be some pretty bad dudes, okay, in whatever way you want to use that term. And everyone's got a different personality and everyone's got a different way of dealing with people. As I was saying on an episode earlier this week, you can hate Canada's work. You know, you can even hate Canada or whatever, but you don't have to connect them. It doesn't have to be about liking the guy or not liking the guy. And I got the sense this week that there were a lot of people who were just ready to just torch him no matter what it is that he said. Look, I think he's lousy at his job. Maybe I'll be wrong in 2023. Maybe he'll prove me wrong. Maybe he'll prove a lot of people wrong. When that happens, I'm here to stand up and admit it, okay? But I don't see what the point is in having to try to connect liking him or not. I appreciate the question. I appreciate everyone who listens to Daily Shot of Steelers, and I especially appreciated it over this past month when we were covering these off-season workouts. Training camp opens on July 27 at St. Vincent College. This program never sleeps. We will be back Monday with another.